I just have a, a number of scriptures to read. We'll read briefly just in the Old Testament initially in the book of Numbers, please, and chapter 35. The book of Numbers and chapter 35. Numbers 35, and we'll read verse 11. Then ye shall appoint you cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the slayer may flee thither, which killeth any person at unawares. And, there, and they shall be unto you cities for refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer die not until he stand before the congregation in judgment. Over to the book of Psalms, please, in Psalm number 9. Psalm number 9, and it's verse 9 that I want to read. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And finally then to the New Testament, to the book of Hebrews, and in chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6, and verse number 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Now we look to God for his blessing upon the reading of his word. I'm sure for those that are accustomed to coming to gospel meetings, you'll know oftentimes that we would turn to the Old Testament to try and illustrate a New Testament truth. And that's exactly what I want to do just for a few minutes this evening. For example, oftentimes we'll turn to that well-worn passage of Scripture, Genesis chapter 22, and we often like to remind our hearts of that sacrifice of how Isaac was led upon the altar and then the ram was taken and was offered in the stead of Isaac. And we often link it with 1 Peter 3 and verse number 18. Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Other times we might look at Exodus chapter 12, that great story of the Passover. And you remember how that the firstborn were in danger and were in need of a blood of the lamb to be shed. And the blood had to be applied upon the doorpost and so on. The story you know so well. And maybe other times we go over a, a, a book or two. We go into the book of Numbers. Maybe Numbers chapter 19 is it. And we think there about the, the children of Israel. And they're, they're bitten and they're dying. Some of them have already died. And at last there's a provision that is made. And there's a serpent that is uplifted. And the scripture tells us that those that looked they lived. And so oftentimes, as I say, we try and illustrate New Testament truth from the Old Testament. And well, what I want to do tonight, just for a few minutes of your time, I want to think of this great uh, description that is given for us in Hebrews chapter 7 of a refuge, a refuge. I'm sure most here tonight, if not all, will understand what we mean when we talk about fleeing for refuge. Or maybe to put another word on it, going somewhere for to get shelter in a time of storm. And so, as I say, I want to illustrate it from the book of Numbers chapter 35. You know maybe the story or the idea in Numbers chapter 35, how that there was provision made. Say, for example, I'll just stick with the biblical example. Maybe you had been out with a friend and you were cutting down trees and you were using your axe and maybe you were cutting the trees down and unfortunately the axe head comes off the axe 
and it hits the other man, and tragically he's killed, you would know that that was an accident. And so that's the picture in the book of Numbers 35. You see, the problem was, whenever that thing happened, and when the accident happened, and when someone was uh, killed, tragically, we would call it manslaughter. That man that had did that action, he had two options. Under Jewish law, if he managed to make his way to a city, a city of refuge, there were six of them, all dotted out through the nation of Israel. There was three on one side of the Jordan, there was three on another, and there was maybe one up on a mountaintop, there was maybe one down in the plain. They were easily accessed. And if they wanted to preserve their life, the man that had done such a thing, they would have to flee to the city of refuge for fear of their life, because the man that had been tragically killed, his family could go after the man that had done the action. And unless he got to the city of refuge, that man was in a place of danger. And so as I say tonight, I just want to bring that parallel. And I want to think about you and I tonight in this meeting. Do you know that each one of us in this meeting are in danger? You would say, but Daniel, I feel very safe tonight. I'm sitting in the comfort of a gospel hall. Lovely building it is. And you would say, I don't feel any danger around me. Well, I would love tonight before this meeting is over that you'll feel your danger. Because I want to impress upon your soul tonight that you are in real danger of losing your soul for eternity and landing yourself in the flames of hell. You say that's strong preaching. It is. And God knows my heart tonight. I feel the weight of the message that I'm bringing. I feel there's maybe someone tonight in this gospel meeting. And you just haven't realized the urgency of your need. And I trust tonight that God impresses it upon your heart. That I need to get to the place of refuge tonight. Well, I want to think first of all about the necessity of a refuge. You know, this man... If he wanted to have his life preserved, he had to flee. He had to flee for his life to that city. And once he got into the city of refuge, mind you, once he got in, it was only whenever he got into the city that he was guaranteed of safety and free from harm. You know, I want to say tonight, I know when we're coming to think of Numbers chapter 35 and we're thinking about manslaughter and it was an accident and all of that, but I want to just say this. You and I tonight are in danger because of one thing. It all stems back to a day when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. You see, if that day hadn't have happened, you and I would not be in danger tonight of being in hell for eternity. If Adam had never have sinned, there would have been no separation from God. There would have been no a defilement. There would have been no diseases, no problems. There would be no crimes committed. We wouldn't need to have a gospel meeting, but as a result of one man's sin, just a simple act of disobedience, sin has entered into the world. You know, tonight, I know I'm up here. But you know what the Bible does? It just puts us all on a level playing field. 
You know, sometimes in the world that we live in, we like to put ourselves above others. And sometimes there's people that you meet and you could hardly, you could hardly see them. They're so full of pride. You know what the Bible does? It just knocks all of that away. You know what it says? It says there is no difference for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. The Bible makes it clear, friends, that we're all guilty before the God of heaven. I wonder tonight, have you ever realized that? Maybe you've just come and flitted through meetings. Maybe you've just flitted through life and you've never really, it's never really dawned upon your soul that I have a real problem. It's the problem of my sin. And if I'm ever going to see heaven, I'm going to have to get rid of it for eternity. Well, the necessity of a refuge. As I say, this man, he was in danger. I just want to emphasize tonight, and I'm going to move on. You're in danger tonight of losing your soul. I'm just giving you time to think about it. Real danger of losing your soul. You know, I wish it touched my heart the way that it should. And I'm likely speaking to people tonight, and they haven't really grasped that I'm in danger of losing my soul. And that's all that matters. You might lose much in life. I hope you well in life. I hope you gain the good career, the job, the money, the financial side of things. I wish you well. But just remember, if you lose your soul, you've lost everything for eternity. That's all that matters. When our little life is done and over, and we don't know when it will be, the only thing that counts is whether we're saved and ready for heaven. Well, the danger of this man. You know, this man, he had to make a decision. Whenever such an event would have happened, he would likely have known. He would have known that there was a city of refuge that he could go to. But he had to make a decision to go there. You know what his decision was? It was either to run and live or to delay and die. You know, tonight in this gospel meeting, friends, you're faced with a decision. It's just the exact same decision. You know of the great person who is able to provide you, provide a refuge in a time of storm. Says Isaiah, is it Isaiah chapter 35? Is it that tells us about a man shall be as in hiding place from the wind? You know about a man who is able to provide shelter in a time of storm. But you have a decision to make tonight. You can either turn from your sin and flee to him and be sure of safety for eternity, or either you can make the decision to stay where you are. And to lose your soul. That's the decision. I can't make that decision for you. The brethren who gather here aren't able to make that decision for you. We would love that you tonight would decide for heaven. We can pray that that would happen. But the decision lies fair and square with you. The question of the words of the hymn that we sometimes sing. What will you do with Jesus? What will your answer be? Well, the necessity of a refuge. I want to think about the suitability of a refuge. 
Now, you, you would know that there are certain places that, that wouldn't be suitable for a refuge. You would know that uh, if there was a, a tsunami or some of these disasters came uh, and, and you, you knew that they were on the horizon or were coming and you would need to get to a place of safety or refuge, you wouldn't be going down to your, your garage and getting out your, your tent and, and, and bringing it and, and pitching it on the beach. No, it wouldn't be suitable. Or maybe you can know in some of these other countries, I know they've got buildings now that are earthquake-proof and all of that and so on, and how they design them, it's amazing. But you would know that in some of the other countries, that some of the buildings, they're not suitable for a refuge. You would say tonight, Daniel, if eternity is at stake, a place in heaven or a place in hell is at stake tonight, I would need to be sure that the one that I have my trust in, that he's suited to save me for eternity. It would be no use, dear friends, that if you were depending on something and it let you down at the last minute, I just ask tonight, what are you depending on for eternity? I would say this, unless you're depending upon Christ, you've got absolutely nothing to depend upon for heaven and home. Well, the suitability of Israel. You know, I want to just highlight three things that makes Christ as a suitable refuge. You would know that if it's God that we have sinned against, and the Bible makes it clear that it is only God who is able to forgive sin, that this refuge is going to have to be someone who is God. If only God can forgive sin. You would know tonight that if if I uh, had done some transgression against you and I came looking for your forgiveness, it would be no use me going to somebody else down the street because I haven't offended them. I've offended you. And so I would have to come to you asking for forgiveness. And so it is with the problem of our sin. We come to God. It's him that we need forgiveness from. And so if we're going to have a refuge... In a time of coming judgment, that person would have to be God. Another thing, the refuge, he would have to be a man. He would say, Daniel, is is, is there anybody that's able to, to, to tick these boxes, as we might say? Is there anyone who would be God? Who would be man? You know, another thing that would have to happen is... The person would have to bear the penalty for the sin. You would say, Daniel, surely there's no one. Surely there's no one who would meet all three requirements. Well, you know, the glorious news of the gospel is that there's one man and he meets the criteria. His name is Jesus Christ. And says the scriptures, you know, I was thinking today, I could just turn to Philippians chapter 2 and I get all three points met. What's it say, Philippians 2? Equal with God. Point one. What about requirement number two? Man took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man. What about the third one? Just come on down, Philippians chapter 2. It says he's obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And tonight I want to present a Savior who is suitable to meet your need and to be a refuge for you in a time of storm. Well, I want to think just quickly, I want to think about the, the simplicity of getting to the refuge. You know, this man 
to get to the city of refuge, he had to do two things. He had to run for his life. He had to run for his life. And the second thing he had to do was he had to step inside. You know, it would be no use to him if he, if he, if he ran as fast as he could and he got to the gate of the city, but and he, he just stood back and he looked at it. No, he wasn't safe until he took the step in. You know, tonight in this meeting, if you're wanting to be saved, and I trust there's someone, you know, you're going to have to make the decision that I'm going to have to get to Christ. You would say, but Daniel, you know, I, I'm quite content in life. Are you? I just want to say tonight, maybe there's someone who's come to this meeting and you're just longing after God's salvation. Can I just tell you God's simple way of salvation? It doesn't depend one iota on anything that you do. You know, I'm glad that salvation, it doesn't depend upon money. Because I likely couldn't have afforded it. I, I, you know, I, I'm glad, and I'm sure other people are glad. I know I can write and so on. I'm, I'm glad salvation didn't depend upon writing your name. There's a lot of people in the world can't write. You know, God has made salvation available in the most simplest of terms. You know what the Bible says? Repent and believe the gospel. That's how simple it is. And people have stumbled over it for years. When all along they simply have to turn from their sin. That's a big thing, mind you. To turn from your sin and to put your trust in Christ for salvation. It was quoted in the prayer meeting. You would know that you come in through a door to this meeting tonight. You would know, as I say, it was quoted in the prayer meeting. The Savior himself, he said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. As I say, this man, he wasn't saved until he took the step in. You know, it's no use you tonight in this meeting knowing all about salvation, about all of the prospects that you could have unless you take the step of faith in. And you're not guaranteed of safety until you take the step. You know, sometimes we sing, and I know some of our brethren think it too simple, only a step to Jesus. Can I ask you tonight, why not take it now? Why not take it now? Don't go another night in your sin. Trust Christ. Take the step of faith. You say, well, Daniel, what is faith? I, I, I likely have said it here before, but I like D.L. Moody's. A expression when he said, was asked one day, what is faith? He says, faith is just taking God without any ifs. Just taking God without any doubt. Just accepting him. Putting your full weight of confidence or trust on him. You know, the moment you get saved, really what you're saying to God is that I in myself cannot meet the need. I have no power to merit favor with God. But you're acknowledging that there was one, God's blessed son, and he is the power to forgive me. He is the one that has bore the penalty of my sin at the cross. And you're putting your full weight of confidence on him. You're stepping in and you're safe. I'm nearly finished. I want to think about the singularity of the refuge. You know, in the Old Testament here, as I say, these cities, there was about six of them. 
cities of refuge. You would know that maybe when the weather was bad or something, or when there's flooding and so on, people, I'm thinking over, over in England, it happened there recently, and people, there was maybe leisure centers or buildings were set up, and people were able to go there to take refuge. There was quite a number of them. You see, when it comes to a refuge for eternity, friends, there's only one person can be that refuge. Only one. As I say, your money won't be a refuge in a time of storm. Your church attendance won't be a refuge in a time of storm. Your good living won't be a refuge in the time of coming judgment. You say, Daniel, who is it? I've said already, his name is Jesus Christ. And unless he is your refuge, you have no hope for the judgment that's coming. The singularity of the refuge. I want to think about the security of the refuge. You would likely have seen pictures there recently and heard on the news of people over in Israel and there was people in Gaza and they they went to take refuge in a hospital. Or even maybe a few months ago, I think it was in Ukraine, people, they went to take refuge in a train station. They thought they were safe. They thought they were going to a place of refuge. But in fact, it turned out that it was very much the opposite. And instead of being preserved from incoming bombs and so on, in fact, they lost their lives. What they thought was a refuge turned out not to be. Tell me tonight, if you were to trust Christ, how sure would you be that you would land in heaven when life's over? You would say, well... I think I would feel I would feel pretty good. What about the next day when you don't feel so good? What is it that gives the Christian the assurance that when their little life is done, that they're going to be with Christ in heaven for eternity? It's not their feelings. I'm glad of that. It's the Word of God. We read a verse tonight in Hebrews chapter 7, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. And tonight I know that when my life is over, I don't know when that will be, but I'm sure that I'm going to be safe at the side of Christ for eternity because there's been a moment when I've trusted him and his word says, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. The security of the refuge I just want to finish and I want to think very solemnly. I want to think about the impossibility of a refuge. And I want to speak as kindly and as feelingly as I can tonight. I was nearly going as I was coming up the road thinking about the meeting. I thought, you know, I'll just leave my last point off. But I think God has touched my heart even in the prayer meeting tonight. You see, if you land in hell and eventually the lake of fire, There's going to be no place of refuge. There's going to be nowhere that you can hide for eternity. In fact, I was just thinking in the book of Revelation, when all of the world stands before the great white throne, those that are not saved. There's going to be no place of shelter or retreat from the all-seeing eye of Christ. What a place it must be. No shelter in a time of storm. 
No refuge. You know, I always remember our brother Willie Fenton. It was just a month or two before I was saved. He said something that I've never forgot. In fact, it was something that really made me seriously think about getting saved. And I trust tonight it does the same as I said to you. He said as only he could do. He says as people will stand at the great white throne. He said it would actually be a relief for them to be cast into the lake of fire to get out of the presence of the all-seeing eye of Christ. Tell me, friends, tonight in this meeting, Christ has came from heaven. He has went to the cross at Calvary, provided salvation for you. How shall you stand before him in that day, the one that offers salvation to you tonight? And there'll be no hiding place. There'll be nobody to give you refuge in the time of storm. You know, I just want to finish. I couldn't finish on that note. You know, there was another day on earth when there was no refuge found. You know where it was? I just want to take you to the land of Israel, outside the walls of Jerusalem. My blessed Lord was taken one day outside the city walls to a place which is called Calvary. And led upon him were awful billows. The wrath of God was poured out upon him. There was no place for him to hide. When awful the awful storm and weight of wrath of God was placed upon him. Do you know why he was there? He was there in order that you and I might have a refuge for eternity. What a man. I trust tonight that as you have listened to these very stammering remarks, that God might impress your soul that it's about time that I flee to Christ for refuge, because if I don't, I'm in danger of losing my soul. Shall we pray? Our Father, we come to thee at the close of our meeting, and we thank thee for the ability to present Christ in the gospel. We pray that whatever we've said that has been of thyself, that it might be used to the awakening and salvation of some of these dear souls. We know, our Father, that uh, everything has been done in order that souls might be saved. We know, our Father, the decision lies with the dear people who have come, and eternity is in the balance. And so we pray that some of these dear people, that they might seriously consider eternity and that even tonight we might hear news of souls being saved. We pray that as we part, that thou would take us to our homes in safety as we give thanks again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.